What's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I sit down with creative and successful entrepreneurs and leaders who are in the middle of their journey, because none of us are given a playbook at the beginning of our career, and what better way to learn from those who have done it before us. So today on the show, I have uh, my friend, Nick Schleckaway, who is returning, and we just have a great conversation. Nick's one of my favorite business owners in the Valley. So I had a full hour to sit and kind of grill him on some things. And we went a little bit deeper because I've had him on the show before to kind of tell his story. So definitely check it out. Uh, His interview that I did with him a few years ago is is one of my favorites. And uh, so you should check that out. But in this one, we get a little bit deeper. He has uh, grown an incredible amount in the last three years since we have talked. Uh, He's opened multiple locations. He's probably more than doubled the size of his team and is doing incredible work in the real estate business. Nick's the founder of Amherst Madison, which is a large real estate brokerage here in town. And we talk about what the how the growth has come, how it's kind of affected him. I asked him some questions like, is this harder than you think it was? He says, yes. You know, what are some things that no one told you about success? And he talks about that. We talk a lot about marketing, what his plan is, uh, how he's wrapping up his marketing. What's the proper amount of sacrifice, you know, that you should have for your business? What would it take for you to leave this business? And I believe his answer was death. Uh, So obviously we talk about competition too. So we just had a real conversation between you know two people who are who are very interested in running business and uh there's a lot of really great information nick thank you so much for coming on and sharing more of your story sharing more of yourself one of the things that i love about talking with nick is that he's just honest he's transparent he's authentic he doesn't mince words like he'll just he's very truthful and so i think what he brings to the show is really important so i hope you get something out of our conversation. So let's get on with it. All right. Well, I'm joined today with Nick Schleckway, who's the founder and CEO of Amherst Madison. What's up, Nick? What up, Matt? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for making the trek to the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm from, man. Every time I come out here, I'm just like, oh yeah, that wasn't there. That wasn't there. This wasn't there. It's a, it's a, a, lot, a lot has changed. That's right. You went to Eagle High, right? I did. Yeah. What year did you graduate? Oh, four. Oh, four. All right. Well, you are a returning guest, so thanks for coming back. You have done a lot since the last time that you've been on the show. So why don't you give me just an update on, on what changes have made since you had the single location out on Emerald. You've expanded your your empire. You've got a lot going on. So fill us, fill us in. It's been a trip. I was... I'm just sitting here reflecting on that the last time three years ago. Sometimes it's hard to even remember, like, where where was I? What was I doing? You were single. (laughs) You didn't have a daughter, right? (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm thinking about it professionally, you know, the company from a number standpoint, my personal life, uh, comprehensive changes all all about. So the company's doubled in size uh, in the last three years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Doubled in terms of, like, you know, agent count, um, sales volume uh, probably actually tripled in size in terms of employees that are servicing those agents and serving them um so the company had three offices instead of one and where are um, your offices boise so we we built a a new building two years ago Mm -hmm. right up off benjamin by the boise town square mall it's beautiful and that's our headquarters that's about a fourteen thousand square foot building yeah and then opened up an eagle 
a year ago, like maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, last year, that, that was right. Last year, we opened two offices, one in Eagle and one in McCall. Um, yeah. So a couple markets that we've we've done a lot in, we've sold a lot in, just made sense to have a physical presence there. Yeah. Um, and, and want to grow that presence, certainly, well, with those locations. So, yeah, last year was a, a whirlwind, just like the year before that, just like the year before that, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I've and, been... And personal, personal life, <laughs> lest, I, lest I leave that out, <laughs> uh, I get yelled at later. Um, I'm married now, and I yeah. wasn't three years ago. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And I've got what a, a do- run you've had. I've got a daughter. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> three years ago. And I have a son on the way. Congratulations. Jeez. Good for you. When is uh when's number two due? July, end of July. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so exciting. Just around the bend. Good lord. You're just in the middle of it. Yeah, man. It's been a it's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun though. That's awesome. So you've doubled in size. How many uh agents are you know, are working with you right now? About 170. Okay. 170. And let's talk about your team. So how you have 170 agents, agents, independent contractors. Okay. And then you have how many employees? 14, almost about ready to have 15. And what, how's your team built? Well, I hope (laughs) (laughs) it's trial and error. No, it's, um, you know, I've got a couple great uh, vice presidents that are, that are helping me manage staff and manage hiring and manage the day to day. And, We've got a great staff. We've got some great people, you know, transaction coordinators, agent support, um, general office admin, receptionist. So they all have a little bit of a different role. Marketing. Um, the marketing and creative side is something that is huge emphasis for us going forward and growing. Uh, actually growing our own in-house marketing and creative team uh, that can service our agents, service the brokerage, provide a, provide a lot of services that we're not doing right now. So. That, that staff will grow. Uh, it will continue to grow significantly in the next couple of years. Okay. Oh, gosh, I've got a couple of ways I want to go right here. Let's talk about marketing since you brought it up. Kind of talk to me a little bit about your, your marketing strategy. It's something that fascinates me. I know that content creation is important for you. It's important for me. It's something that I'm passionate about. You know, what kind of things are you doing from a marketing standpoint to continue to get your name out there? Um, what is your message? What are you trying to tell people to want to work with you? Like, what is your overarching, you know, uh, mentality towards, you know, your, your brand? Well, it that last word you just used is is critically important, right? Is uh, what that brand is and represents quality and professionalism. I think that's that's always been the foundation for it, and and right, sort of next to that is is community and and service, servicing our agents uh, who are our customers, you know, and then um, they obviously in turn service the consumer. Uh, but all of us being very interested and concerned with the community, uh, giving back to it, supporting it, growing it is as part of our health and in the real estate industry. I mean, that's literally what we sell is community mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a lot of ways. So that's always been the foundation. And I, I would like to say that we've, we, we've always hit our bases pretty well in terms of uh, the traditional ways you need to market yourself and the way you need to market that brand. I mean, we've, we've got a good social media presence. You know, we do some email marketing uh, to a selected list. You know, we, our online presence is robust. I mean, we've got a good website, we show up all the places we need to show up uh, in terms of Google and Google business and web and email and social. And we've got a lot of the boxes checked, but what we haven't done a very good job of, and I, I'll take full responsibility for this. I mean, it's, it's my fault and 
some of it maybe a weakness in my skill set personally is is just um the way that I'm saying it right now is telling the world who we are. You know, it's one thing to have all your boxes checked and be everywhere you need to be and put you know, pretty good content out, but it's a whole other endeavor to, to really tell the stories of who you are sure. um, and really show people exactly what you're doing on a weekly, daily, monthly basis that makes you different. You know, because there's a lot of people that say, yeah, we're the quality brand, we're the professionals, we're a yeah, yeah, yeah. like everybody says that. Right. But people don't do it. Right. So we do it and we've done it for years. You just have to show it. We have to show it. And yeah. and I'm good at doing. I'm not always very good at showing. So how are you <laughs> talking? Gonna, what are you doing so. to, to rectify that? Because you're right. I think a lot of people say the things that they think they need to say. I think a lot of people even do it, you know, but but I think the strength is being able to show people that you're doing it, especially in this day and age with everybody looking at their phones all the time. And we have the ability to do it easily, affordably, you know, and well. And mm-hmm. so what kind of things are you doing to, to, you know, to close that gap? Video is going to be huge for us and is, yeah, it's, yeah. it's getting, you know, the, the video tool is just, it's irreplaceable. You know, I, I don't, they say a picture says a thousand words. I'm not sure how many a video says, but it's a lot more, more than a thousand. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that you can use in so many of these different platforms now. You know, it's and it's much more interactive. It, it really brings people into the experience. Uh, so that's that's where we're at right now is is getting cameras and getting video and getting things captured that we're doing on a daily and weekly basis, and so we can get it out there. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something I I just haven't done a great job of in the past. Well, it's hard and it's overwhelming because there's so many options. I mean, there's so many platforms. And so I think some people look at that and be like, I can't possibly be where I want to be all the time because there's so many. But I, I try and tell people, I'm like, just pick one mm. and start there and build the habit. You know, and once you got that habit built, then you can go to the other one because, I mean, Jesus, there's Instagram, but there's like four different ways to post on Instagram now. Yep. And TikTok's really big right now. Facebook's still the giant in the room, you know? So like... Have do you have a like a plan that's written down? It's like, all right, we're gonna do bang, bang, bang. You know, we're gonna post here, here every day. Do you have anything like that laid out? Well, it's you have to be on Facebook, obviously. I mean, especially in real estate, it right. tends to be a very traditional industry. That's Isn't one that of the funny. First, that's one of the first places <laughs> that you you want to be, you need yeah. to be. So we've always been really good with Facebook and and pretty good with Instagram. Although Instagram has certainly evolved a lot in the last few years, much more towards video and reels and, and different ways of posting video and shorter videos and you know um so linkedin is an area that i think is often overlooked and we've got Definitely. a great a great presence on linkedin and and have a lot of impact with that uh those are three places we've always been and tiktok we haven't and that's about to change so that's something that we're stepping into now uh, with this new video content we're getting produced is the ability to to show up on there uh, which is is important uh, yeah. more and more so is it going to be you what do you mean? Is it going to be me showing up in all this content or partly? Yeah. Partly me. Um, other trainers that we have internally speakers we have internally, some of our agents. I mean, just events that we're doing classes that we're doing, uh, ways that we're showing up to help, uh, and, and help educate and develop agents. And then also just guest speakers, uh, to that come into the brokerage and office events. And, you know, there's, that's one thing about our company is that we, I've always joked that if this real estate thing doesn't work out for me, I'm just going to start an event planning business yeah. because that's what we do. I mean, we do 
20 to 30 events a year yeah um of different types and sizes and varieties from 20 people to 250 people so well let's go there let's talk about that real quick what kind of events are you doing what's the purpose for them i've been to some of your events you do them right you uh, are very thoughtful with them Uh, you bring in sponsors and you bring in good speakers and i'm sure there are different reasons that you do these events i've been to some of your training ones which have been really strong and i want to talk about that with you too but talk to me a little bit about your event strategy what you're trying to do what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to accomplish it yeah it's it's team building uh environment i sometimes i hesitate to use the word culture because it's just it's almost cringeworthy it's so overblown that's okay that's, um, that's a good word but, uh, <laughs> everything that we do has some of that element to it so there's a, there's always a specific purpose for the event right like maybe it's a sales training and we'll have a theme for that day it's it's your brand or it's you know business planning or it's getting ready for next year or it's strategies for getting listings or strategies for you know getting a buyer under contract in a multiple offer scenario whatever like it can be very specific or very broad but there's there is some real estate specific reason uh, typically why we're doing it or there'll be a nonprofit event that we're doing and we're there to raise money for certain people or maybe it's uh, you know our holiday and awards party that we do every year which is a big thing a couple hundred people at our office um, so there's always a, of course, like the sort of obvious stated reason why we're doing it, but f- but for me, every single one of them also has one thing in common, which is that team building, cultural, uh, environmental factor, and that's something that because of my background in team sports, um, background as a firefighter, you know, I spent the first, you know, I don't know, you know, 15, 20 years of my life uh, in a team of some yeah. kind, so. Um, really wanted to bring that environment to real estate, which tends to be not that way. It sure. tends to be very fractured, very closed door. Uh, what's mine is mine. You know, don't talk to me about it. Very transactional industry. So that for me, from some day one of my company, has been like, how can I bring more of this team environment into this industry? And it, and people have been very receptive to it because you know, lo and behold, it's like they like to be a part of a team, and people don't like to do things on their own. Who knew, right? Right. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you. In the real estate business, when you have a bunch of realtors coming in and out of the shop and doing their own thing on their own, and there isn't that sort of platform to be trained or to be cultivated, you know, I can see how, you know, they're not they're not really working together or even getting to know each other and things like that. So what you're trying to do is bring people together who are really running their own. Each, each person is running their own business, Mm -hmm. but you put a hundred of them in one room. Like what kind of energy do you get from that and how can they help each other? And I think that's something that you would probably want, um, even though they're all trying to build their own businesses from the same population, they're all marketing to the same people. How do you get them away from seeing their peers as competitors and seeing them as someone that can help them. Is that a struggle or do you see that or what's it it can be. And you, you really have to have an environment and an emphasis on abundance uh, is the key word there, you know, which I sort of ironically, it's, it's the same quote unquote secret to their success in sales. You know, you, you have to have an abundant mentality and success as an entrepreneur and just about anything else in life. If you're worried about, you know, I don't want to give you something, Matt, because that means I have less. Right. You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. That, that's a recipe for failure. If, if that's your mindset that you're somehow reduced because you helped somebody else out or gave them something or, you know, gave them a helping hand, you're probably going to fail or you're going to, your success will be greatly diminished. So 
part of it is is just kind of teaching that and talking about that and a rising tide lifts all boats and we believe that and it's part of our culture it's it's part of our core values it's part of who we are um and that's sort of baked into everything that we do you know and, and we look for people you know we don't we don't just bring on everybody into our company you know if you're somebody who is scarcity minded and, and you're negative you don't want to help people you don't want to be a part of anything you're probably not going to last very long in our, in our organization um we, we try to keep those people as far away from us as we possibly can yeah every once in a while one of them will like you know commando style sneak through the cracks but yeah how'd you get here <laughs> <laughs> um so that's a huge part of it you know and it's um it's an energy thing too that's the other thing i was going to tell you about these events is yeah there's a stated purpose for it always that's very specific culture and team building is part of it but but sales is a business of influence it really is you know you have to be able to influence people to work with you to trust you maybe even to make a decision at times it's a business about influence well the only way to influence anything or anybody is with positive energy, right? You, yeah. Negative energy will just retract, repel, and push things and people away from you. You cannot influence without positive energy. And, and in real estate, like you have to bring a tremendous amount of positive energy to your job every day, which, number one, by the way, is exhausting. Yep. Um, and that's a skill that is learned right. um, and why it's so important to take care of your body and take care of your health. But that's something where the, that we feel and we've proven as a brokerage we can help like because we can do these events we can have good people in the building we can have good energy we the office can be a place you can go to sort of get that reboot and recharge yeah it's uh, community and go back out there and kill it yeah yeah i went to an event last month uh with a bunch of insurance agents with my company and um i was asked i was blessed and asked to speak but it was a room full of 500 agents and like they're all competing against each other technically but uh but the energy in the room was really awesome people just wanted to help each other there was a ton of collaboration there was a ton of education what are you doing that's working how can you help me they're all trading business cards and connecting outside and those relationships can be just fruitful for uh, for for a newer person in the industry because like i think we're all standing on the shoulders of giants you know mm -hmm. i didn't get here by myself i had mentors that helped me along the way and mm -hmm. so and same thing here there are 70 local farmers agents here mm -hmm. and i never have seen them as competition because there's like you said abundance is a great word because i think whoever wants it will get it that's kind of been my mentality you yeah know? and so i'm willing to outwork them yeah but i don't see them as competition you know so yeah. someone that i can I've, I've used them as resources what have yeah. you done here how have you done this i don't know everything so um so yeah training is i, I love training so one, one of the things i learned too is that it's just real estate is a very lonely business and that's very surprising um i think even a lot of people that are getting into it they don't expect that like how can it be a lonely business? Like you're around people all day long, all working day. with clients. That's all you do. Right. But it, but it really is, and you don't sometimes learn that until it's too late, and you find yourself on an island. Um, and it's lonely because your your clients are not your friends. Um, and if you ever want proof of that, just uh, work with a friend as a client. It won't be your friend very long. <laughs> it's true. But no, I mean, especially in the process, you know, you're there to do a job and. And so are they in a way. I mean, they have their, their goals and missions and things they're trying to get done with this transaction. Um, so the question is kind of like, you know, well, the vendors that you work with and title and lending, like they're not really 
you know, your friend and they can't really relate to you on, on the level of an agent and the struggles that you go through with clients and you can't go complain to your clients about your clients. <laughs> so, right. so who are you going to have that community with? And the answer needs to be the agents that you work with yeah. and the agents at your brokerage. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something that we've kind of learned the hard way for me was the hard way. Cause I, you know, I left the brokerage and I almost left the industry actually right before I started my company. I almost completely got out of real estate because I was on an island, because I was isolated, because I was at a place that didn't know this, didn't support this, didn't understand this this aspect of, of human nature. And then it's the same thing as entrepreneurs, right? We all lie to ourselves and we all think that we can do it on our own. It's just, there's just something about the entrepreneurial mindset. and Well, there's it, pride and ego in there yeah, that can and, totally... Totally poison, you know, and, and what often, you're trying to achieve. Often, like our, you, in fact, almost always, our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. And there's kind of this shadow side to our strengths. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, one of our greatest strengths is like independent. You know, our ego can be a great thing because it can drive us to succeed and push through and do things other people say you can't do that. But one of the shadow sides of that is isolation. And none of us can survive in isolation. I mean, the solitary confinement in prison is a punishment for a reason. Right. You know, this idea that you can just be on your own and do everything and be a lone wolf, it, it doesn't work. Right. Um, but the challenge is, like, as an entrepreneur, you have to seek that community out. And you have to create it for yourself because you don't have it baked in. Oh. You know, you don't have it baked in. You don't have that community. You don't have a company around you that's just giving you that community you know, by nature of you being there. Yep. And then even as you grow your company and maybe now you do have a team around you, well, not really because you're at the top, right? you know, so there's certain things you just can't share. So you have to create your own peer group. Kind Absolutely. Of. Yeah. yeah. It's critical. So I was going to ask you one of the speaker, the, the speaker you had last year, I think it was, I think it was about a year ago when the event that I went to and you had a great speaker speak all afternoon. I can't remember his name do you remember who you had i can't remember you're talking about uh sales training with yeah. bill, bill pipes yeah this guy's name yeah he's he out was, of salt lake yeah he was great uh one of the things he said was you know he's standing in front of a room of about 150 agents and he essentially said as far as trustworthy uh em- employers he was like the least trustworthy employers are I think it was car salesmen or used car salesmen. And he's like, and the next one is realtors. And he goes, and those two battle for the bottom rung of that ladder, you know, year after year. And so that was an interesting thing to say to that group of people, but it's poignant and it's important, you know, so what kind of things are you doing to help, you know, combat those trust issues with realtors? Cause there, I've worked with realtors that haven't been great. And so what kind of things are you trying to infuse into your team to, you know, really build trust with their clients? That's one of the reasons why we're selective. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why we spend so much time emphasis on training and career development and professional development. You know, our tagline is real estate advisors for a reason, because that's how we consider our, ourselves. And our approach to the business is we, we want to be a consultant. We want to be an advisor. We want to be there to help you. Uh, and if, if you transact now, great. If you don't, great. We'll still be here in five years or 10 years when you're ready to do that. Uh, and not you have that commission breath and that pushy buy something now or I can't pay my mortgage kind of an attitude. You know, right. and that's that again, listen, this, this concept of abundance never goes away. It's critical in every single aspect of life and what we do. If you don't have that mentality, clients will sense it. And you'll come across, even if you don't intend to, you'll come across as being pushy and negative yeah. and just do it now. 
there is no tomorrow you have to do this now you know which is is toxic and it's one of the reasons why a lot of agents in the industry at large you know sometimes has that reputation one of the things i've always said about our industry is that it's like the the good news is is the bad news and the bad news is the good news. And what I mean by that is like it's so easy to get your real estate license, right? right? That anybody can do it. A couple of weeks, thousand bucks, bam, you got a license. Right. And that's that's one of the worst things about our industry. It's also one of the best things about our industry. Yeah. Right. Because the, the reality is, is that the average out there, the bar out there, is pretty low. Right. So for people who are willing to go above and beyond, for people who are willing to distinguish themselves and do the work and be a consultant, be an advisor you can stand out and you can make a difference and it it really doesn't have to take very long to do it. Yeah. I think it's really hard to rewire a salesperson who, whose job is to sell something and to turn it into a, uh, you know, an educational role or to, you know, put yourself in a position where if you don't get the sale, maybe, I don't think you don't care is the, is the right way to put it, but they're, you're okay with not getting the sale because a lot of the good salespeople have this balance of, you know, educating properly, being there for their clients, being quick to respond and getting them what they need. And at the same time, they want to get the sale, but they can't have that want come across with their client. It can't override, you know, the education. And so it's a real tough balance, especially for new salespeople because mm-hmm. they do, they have to sell something to get paid, you know? Yeah. And I remember early in my career, I think our sales styles have to evolve and you have to learn by getting punched in the face or being told no a thousand times or whatever. But, uh, it's a process to, I think new salespeople don't come installed with that kind of mentality and it has to be taught and they have to live it to, to get there. Yeah, people. A lot of people just play the wrong game, and what I mean by that is that they're playing the short game. You know, you've heard this a lot. Play the long game. Well, that that has a lot of different meanings. And in, in what I'm talking about right now, in real estate sales, and what you're talking about, the long game is understanding if you have a process set in place. You know, let's say somebody's not ready to buy today, and one of the things I've always told my agents is the solution to just about every problem that you have with a client is more clients. Right. In other words, if you're pipeline, yes, if you have somebody that won't transact, you can't force anybody to transact. That's not the way this thing works. It doesn't matter how tricky you are, how smart you are, how much you pressure them, how nice, how not nice. Like if someone's not ready to do one of the biggest, you know, financial moves their entire life, which is buying and selling homes, they're not going to do it. Yeah. And the only thing you're going to do by trying to pressure that is drive you and them nuts. Yeah. And the, and the question I always ask them is. How upset would you be about this listing that you can't get moved because the seller won't accept a reasonable offer, let's say, if you had 20 of them? And they think, right. and they think about that for a second, and the answer is always the same. Well, it, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. You're playing the wrong game. Yeah, that's what I try and teach people, too, is I'm like, the bigger your pipeline, the less you can really care about closing that one deal because you got 20 other people to go back to. You yeah, know. which which ultimately actually winds up being a good thing for the consumer because they have a more relaxed salesperson. They have somebody who's got a longer time horizon. They don't have to have the deal happen right now, right? Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about running a business. I mean, your business has, you know, your business, my business, we all have our highs and lows. We've got big swings. We have our victories. We close the big deals. We lose some big deals. We lose people. There are some weeks where... I mean, you mentioned you almost bowed out of the business, you know, mm-hmm. way back, you know, so how do you handle the lows? 
you know, in your business when you're having one of those weeks or months and you're just, you're, you're either overwhelmed or you've, you've sustained some losses with either some team members or you're not getting the, just things aren't clicking for you. Like how do you, how do you handle times like that? We all face it. Uh, We all face it every single day. Um, Things don't go the way you plan. There's big ones, there's small ones, there's, there's everything in between. You know, for me, uh, I've learned that, that you know, stress management is, is a skill and you have to figure out for yourself. And for me, part of it is, is physical exercise. It's understanding when I need to get quiet time. Uh, it's understanding when I need to just get a book and read it or do journaling. I, do, I, I write a lot. So I, yes. I write a ton. I journal a lot. I write about... Get it out of your head, right? Yeah, good things, bad things. Uh, it's very cathartic for me to do that. Traveling can be very cathartic for me. I need to travel uh, at least like you know once a quarter. If I if I go more than five or six months without traveling, even if it's just going to the mountains and getting away, it doesn't have to be like a, a vacation. It doesn't be like an exotic vacation. But I, I start getting a little nuts, you know. Yeah. And I, so part of it is is a, a huge part of it is just figuring out for yourself how to manage that stress uh, and how to manage that that constant expectations of things going well, things not going well, um, you know. But in terms of I think maybe a little bit more in the moment and strategic and pointed to your question is like, you've got to get really, really good at bouncing back and you have to get, you have to understand that problems are opportunities and that's not just you know, woo woo BS like way to look at it. it. It truly is a fact that if you're experiencing a problem, Hey, that's an opportunity to fix something in your business, in your pitch, in your structure, in the clients you work with, in the way your office is you know put together, in the way you did or didn't do that last event that people did or didn't respond to, right? It's the universe saying, hey, you screwed this up or this isn't right. Now here's an opportunity to fix it. Right. Right. And one of the things that I've always, one of the sayings, I guess, that kind of drives me crazy and I've, I, I used to say it, and I, I don't say it anymore, and I hate it when I hear it, is good problems, right? Like, somebody asks you, how, how, hey, Matt, how's it going? Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's going good. I'm experiencing, you know, I'm really busy and, like, all these problems with clients and, you know, people call me. And, and the person you're speaking to sort of just casually waves you off and is like, oh, those are good problems. Those are, those, problems. Those are growth problems. Right. There, there's no such thing as a quote-unquote good problem. A good problem will terminate your company just as fast as something that is a quote-unquote bad problem. Yeah, it's binary, right? If you don't fix it. There's also no such thing as bad problems, right? There's, I, don't, I, don't, I truly don't believe that anymore. I don't think there's good problems. I don't think there's bad problems. There's just opportunities. And the question is whether you're going to do something about it or not. You know, and you might decide that, hey, this isn't an area of my business I want to fix or need to fix, or this isn't even a group of people that I want to do business with anymore. Great. Yeah. yeah good for you. Move on. Um, but your ability to... And real estate will will burn you in this fire. Like it's a it's a business of wild swings because you can get a phone call. You know, insurance. I'm sure is this, it's the same thing. Like close the biggest deal of your life, and on your way out of the do- out of the the meeting, you got a text message on your phone, and another deal just blew up. Right, you're about to lose the second biggest client in right. your book or whatever. Or you're you know you're walking into one of those important meetings you've been in in the last few months, and on your way in the door your wife texts you something and you get, you know, and there's a fight. Between right. And you got to go. Now we got to walk into that. There's, you know, your kid just fell and hurt themselves or all the millions of things that can happen. Or you lost a client or, Hey, you're negotiating a couple of deals that are going bad and you're getting ready to get on the phone with somebody 
uh, who just got an offer accepted or you go into a closing and it's right. it's the happiest moment of their life. So the, the ability to immediately bounce back and, and be present is, is huge. It, right. it will determine whether you can make it in, in my industry or not because ultimately, even if people are good at it, if they can't figure that out emotionally and have that emotional intelligence, they'll burn out. Yeah, short memory. Yeah, short, short memory. And the other, one of the things that I've always... I don't remember where I heard it first, but I found it to be true that business business is personal and it should be personal. And I believe that with my whole heart. And in fact, anytime somebody tells you this is just business, they're getting ready to screw you. Right. And it's not gonna and it's <laughs> yeah, not you don't gonna hear that. And it's not gonna feel good. Like the, the guys I've worked with that have had that mentality. I used to have a business partner I bought out years ago, that was his mentality, like this is just business. The guy was a snake. Yeah. The guy was a snake. He's not somebody that I would recommend anyone work with ever. You know, so business is personal, but it shouldn't be emotional. Yeah. And that's, that's good. and that's the hard part. That is hard. Right? Cuz it is emotional on some level, but trying to figure out how to direct that and navigate it and control it so it doesn't burn you up is difficult. It takes time. Yeah. I had something like that happen years ago where I had an employee that wasn't performing at the level that I wanted them to perform and she she was great like i loved her like she was a great person you know but she wasn't doing the job that she was hired to do and so and she worked me like she knew what to say to me to stay in that seat for longer she 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 would kind of own what she was doing she's like yeah you're right i'm not doing that i'll do better and then she'll there'll be an uptick and then they would go back down again and eventually she i realized she was really working me for about a year and my wife was like matt you've got to take emotion out of this like she's either doing the job or she's not and it was a real important conversation that I had with my wife. I was like, God, you know, you're right. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I want to do right by people and help them succeed and things like that. But if they're not willing to do the work that I'm hiring them to do, then that's a problem. So the, the conversation with that employee really shifted um, the next time I had to meet with her. And I, it was very different than the conversations I had with her before. I was like, look. And I just, I did, I, I took emotion out of it. I was like, you have to do these things. And if you, and it was like, it's kind of like talking to a child. Like you mm-hmm. give them consequences, right? You're like, yeah. I need you to do these things by this date or else I have to find somebody who can. And she ended up quitting, which did, she did me a favor, but we kind of know once you get to that point in a employer employee relationship and you start having those conversations, it only goes one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Like they react properly or you know they leave or you have to fire them but yeah a lot of times they'll they'll kind of leave on their own accord because they're like oh shit he's serious this time well and you have a responsibility right you have a responsibility to to the agency to your clients uh you have a responsibility to make sure that the right people the good people the people that care about the business are working here yep and that the resources of the organization are being used wisely i mean that that's your job right that's your responsibility yep and that was my way of learning that i wasn't holding myself accountable hmm. by keeping her you yeah. know I, it's easier for me to say you know uh, you know i'm not hold, i'm i'm trying to hold her accountable but if i keep her around longer than she should be here i'm not holding myself accountable yeah. it's also a really important moment for me and it's it really changed the way that i manage and things like that so yeah and, and what are the optics on that dynamic from the other team members if if right. and when they start coming around you know exactly. cuz then they see that and they're like oh I can get away with that, huh? Oh, so, you know, Matt says this, but he's not willing to hold Susie or Sally or whoever accountable to it. 
I don't know if I want to do what he says anymore or suggests either. Totally. Yeah. So that was a good learning moment for me, for sure. Is this what you're doing, running your business and growing your business and starting your business? Is it harder than you thought it would be? Yeah. <laughs> so talk it's, to me. It's about a thousand times harder than I thought it would be. Talk to me about be. like... <laughs> what did you think going in? Like everybody has these, these blue sky thoughts going, I'm going to start my own business and it's going to be great and blah, blah, blah. But we're totally blind, you know, going, we have no idea what we're getting into. So, you know, what was the discrepancy between what you thought you were getting into and what you actually entered? Man, I don't even know where to start. That's like a giant elephant to try to chew. It's, it's so much harder than I thought it would be. It's just incredible. Um, I think one of the our our best protection mechanisms as human beings is that we tend to 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 see things positively. Believe it or not, like most people do, and you and you tend to forget some of the really negative, hard things you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And thank God we don't know going into these things how difficult it's going to be. Because if we did, right. none of us would start it. <laughs> right. <laughs> unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, you get so much sunk cost into something in terms of time. Yeah, that you're like, no way out. I just got no way out. <laughs> no way out of this. I got to get out. No, it's 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 way harder. You know, um, emotionally, relationally, um, be, because of what I just said that like all great business is personal. Like if you see a great business, any, any great business and you start doing an investigation of that company, that organization, that team, you're going to find people that are leading it, that are heading it up, that take it personally, that mm-hmm. it, that it matters to, uh, that it's just by nature. Uh, it's, it's why it's great. It's because they're vested in it. They care about it. They're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that, it's successful and you have a great experience as a customer. So what does that mean? Well, that means that they're taking it home. Yeah. That means that it's it matters to them. That means that it's hard. So that, that was one of the things that was kind of a, a rude awakening for me was how the emotional labor of it and this this whole concept of emotional intelligence. I didn't even I never even heard of that, couldn't even spell it, didn't know what it was prior to starting my own company. Yeah. And after a couple years into it, I was like, Oh. Oh now I think I understand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what that is. Yeah. You Being know, really so self aware. From from people that are pissed off at you because you're not running the company the way they think you should, to, you know, former business partners you get in lawsuits with to potentially clients or customers where things go sideways and you're either getting in a lawsuit or a threat of one. You know, to financial difficulties, market turns, market transition, things go up, things go down. It's constant. It's never ending, you know. But but the problems, the flip side of that is like, the problems are why we're there. Right. Like you're, you're there because of the struggle. Yeah. You're there because of the problem. Like, if there was no problem, there's no reason for you to be there. Wow, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Are there some things that you cared about early in your career that you learned was wasted energy? You know, and stuff you're like, because we care about everything in the beginning, right? But yeah. over the course of time, our businesses evolve and our thought processes evolve where it's like, God, I worried about all that stuff. And and you stop doing it and and nothing changes negatively. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of things were you worried about earlier in your career that you 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 came to realize? You're like, God, that, I didn't need to worry about that. There's a lot of them. You know, part of one of them for me is... Uh, but what people think, the, the optics on decisions I'm making with hiring and firing, um, who I have on the team, um, how the team is structured, who reports to who, you know, this whole concept of like an org chart as you start to grow. And I spent way too much time stressing out about that stuff and way yeah. too much time, quite frankly, um, thinking about how it was going to impact other people. 
you know, and not thinking enough about my responsibility to the organization, uh, which is to do what's best for the organization and for the team as a whole, which sometimes means doing things that make people upset and that they're not happy about. And, and maybe they don't get the promotion or maybe they get a demotion or, you know, maybe they have to take on stuff they don't love doing. So uh, that, that was a huge one for me. Uh, and just so many little things that I would obsess about that just don't move the needle, that yeah. just don't matter. I had a great conversation yesterday with a gentleman who's uh, founder, owner of one of the biggest banks in Idaho. And we were laughing because similar to me, he got into to banking, to his industry, and similar to a lot of us because we see all these things that we think are obvious problems like and we're gonna we're gonna fix these yeah, problems fix right? we're gonna fix this shit <laughs> like, we're gonna get in here we're gonna fix it like what these guys are idiots like i'm sure you're looking at the insurance agencies and you're like what the, all, this, all this stuff they're doing you know it's right. dumb why aren't it's they doing this why aren't they doing that right. i've got all these great ideas i'm gonna come in i'm gonna fix this thing and you start figuring it out pretty quick that just because other people aren't doing it doesn't mean it's a good idea. In fact, a lot of times the reason other people aren't doing it is because it's a horrible idea. Right. <laughs> right. And it's going to fail. It's true. And it doesn't work. And they already tried it for a year or two years or five years and it didn't work. You know, yeah. and we have a tendency to think that we're all like this special magical butterfly. That and you're going to be the one to crack. Right. The code. Well, that has all these ideas that other people have. And there isn't an idea under the sun that hasn't already been tried and had thousands of times by thousands of people in different industries in different time periods with different tools it just there's very little new under the sun i mean the best you can do is hope to put your own little tweak on something and brush it up and shine it up a little bit better make it a little more valuable make someone's life a little bit easier and if you do that that's a freaking home run. totally that's yeah. a home run so there's a lot of stuff i ran into just very practically ideas i had about real estate business how to help, how to train, how to brand us, like what mattered with branding, what didn't. That just that just didn't matter. It was all a waste of time. Yeah. You know, but sometimes there's only one way to learn. I, I tend to learn things the hard way. Yeah, I know. We have to. <laughs> you know, but that's why I want to do this show is so that we can so people can hear we if we can help accelerate someone's career a little bit or help them realize that this doesn't work or whatever like like you said running a business is so much harder than you think because you don't know what you don't know yeah. you know and you're running into things you're like oh my god i have to deal with this now and then being a business owner and being able to handle every being responsible for everything that comes into the to your business it can be overwhelming and yeah. I, I can't switch it off either like you can't you can't, I can't leave my work at work. Yeah. I just, I can't cause I'm ultimately responsible for everything. So it's, that's been a battle for me too. It's hard. Um, sometimes I have to force myself to, but I, but I love what I do too. So I'm always, I'm always thinking about it. I think in a positive way, mm. I don't dwell and, and, and worry too much. I'm, I'm pretty positive, but I'm always thinking of how to be more efficient or how to be better. But I like that. So it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't drag me down or, or, or weigh me down. Yeah, I'm very similar. You know, I, I'm. I like to tweak with things. I like to mess with things. I like to fix things. I like to improve them. I like to. I like to try things. I yeah. do. I like to experiment, and that's something that I, I've had to learn. And I'll, I think I'll always learn that lesson. Um, fail faster. You know, Definitely. it's it's so critically important, and it's it's so important to be able to kind of remove your ego from things and just be free spirited. I mean, it's like my my two and a half year old. You know, the stuff I watch her try every day. If we could all just be like that more with our businesses and like, you know, just try it, just like try fearless. it. And if it doesn't work, great. Like, that's fine. You know, go try something else, you right. know, and 
not get all wound up and like spend six months thinking about something and then finally have the guts to put it in front of somebody and it sucks. Right. Like, well, I could have just uh, put this in front of them six months ago when I first had the idea and saved six months. Right. Exactly. I want to ask you this question. I'm curious um, because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and we have to deal with. But, you know, do you care what other people think of you? I'm going to leave that. You're not gonna, right there. Not throw any qualifiers. <laughs> I, I want to see gonna... what you do with that. So, <laughs> everybody, everybody cares what other people think of them. Um, and if if they didn't, then you know, go, come to the office naked tomorrow. You know, what's up? Like, if people think that oh, I don't care. What people think about me. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, we all do. Every, everyone does. You know, wear wear a clown suit every day for the next two weeks. Right? We all care. Yeah. Like this idea that we don't care. Yeah, you do. You, you all. We all do. You know. Now there's degrees of it. And there's this question of, are you going to let that control your, your decisions with your marriage, your personal relationships, your kids, uh, your business? Um, there's, in our era with, with social media, there's this whole new level of unhealthy you know, obsession over, over what other people think. And here's what's so funny about it, though, and so ironic, is like, is there's, there's millions and millions of people who are obsessed with what other people think and want to check in and like how many people liked it and did they like it or did they not? And it's this herd mentality, right? Like it's this giant herd that we're all Absolutely. part of. Here's the thing though, is the people who are the most impactful, the most influential, the most successful are the people who are not a part of that herd. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They're the people they're on the that, outside. They're the people that are doing something different. And that's what's just so crazy about the whole experiment of our society is like everyone's obsessed with something, but it's only kind of the people that learn, oh, like, you know, I care about it, but I'm not going to let it change my perspective and my path. And I'm going to be willing to do some things differently that we all look at and aspire to be while checking how many people liked our last post. <laughs> right. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and letting that direct it. So it's this weird dichotomy, but... So for me, do I care? I mean, yeah, of, of course I care. Um, is that going to stop me from potentially making some people mad at me and trying things differently? No, it's not. Like, if I think something, if I look at my business, my industry, and I see a problem, then I want to try to fix that problem. And hey, that causes friction. Uh, there's resistance there. There's massive resistance and massive friction. If you and the bigger problem you want to solve. Uh, the more friction and resistance comes up. And if, if you ever want proof of that, like just go run for office. Oh God. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think fear is something that we all have. And I think being able to control it, identify it, um, use it is something that is something I've put a lot of thought and work into over the past many years and not just in business, but in relationships in your marriage or being a parent or something like that. Fear can be crippling and, um, but it also can be healthy. And so I think being able to identify it in a way, like what are you really afraid of? Um, what, what's the likelihood of it happening? And if it does happen, the question I like to always go back on is like, like what's the worst that can happen if this manifests or becomes true? And it's usually nominal, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I don't get the deal or she's upset with me for a day or something, or I lose a thousand dollars or something like that. Like what's right. the real risk behind it? And so I think, but fear is a real emotion that can override a lot of people. Yeah. And it's something that if it's not properly worked through or identified, um, it can stunt 
relationships. It can stunt the growth of your career. It can stunt your self-development. So fear is something that I've tried to put a lot of work into over the past. And it's scary as hell running, running a business, you yeah. know, but cause we don't want to fail ultimately. Um, so fear is something that I think is really interesting and people really should spend more time in. Yeah. Leaning into it and, and analyzing it, I think, and, and using it for fuel. It's, Fear to me is just like caring what other people think. You're going to care what other people think, just like you're going to get scared. The question is, how do you direct that? How do you channel that? How do you use that um, to, to move forward? Or why do you care? Yeah, and like for other people, going back to that question about like what other people think, just use that as an example. You're going to care about what other people think. It's part of being human. It's part of being a a tribal person. We're all a bunch. Of, you know, we're all tribal. All of us are. We need other people, so of course we care about what they think. But the question is, who, right? Like, number one, who do you want to be? Not what, but who do you want to be? And number two, who are you? Whose opinion are you going to take into account and weigh? You know, yeah. so you can at least direct it and say, oh, well, I'm going to care what my wife thinks and what my business partner thinks and my coworkers and these people are really important to me. Yeah, I'm going to value that. I'm going to value that heavily. It matters to me what they think. Sure. But all these other people out here, eh, no, you know, right. it's just noise, you know. Yep. And and with fear, it's very similar. It's like, okay, I kind of get scared. What do I do? What do I do with that? How do I analyze? Like you, so the way you just put it is is something I've I've done many times. It's like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, what am I really afraid of? Right? And it's usually the same things. It's rejection. It's failure. Right. Looking stupid. You know, losing money, and then all the scarcity fears that come up with that on on going broke. You know, and um, those are things that you have you have to be aware of, or they'll cripple you. Yeah, like, are you going to die? Right. Are you going to go to jail? Yeah. You know, are you? You know, so I think you know weighing the degrees of that is is really important. What are some things that no one told you about success? Like you've you've mm. you're successful. Like you've made it to this point right now. Are there some things that you've been presented with that you were like, oh, this comes with success. The good or the bad, you know? You know, part of it is nobody ever teaches you how to say no and how to be selfish. And the, even just the word selfish has like this incredibly negative connotation to it. Michael Jordan actually was one of the first people I ever saw a quote from that said how necessary it is to be selfish in order to find success. And actually the, the higher level of success you want to find, the more selfish you have to be. That's not always a very comfortable thing for people to think about, no. but it's very true. You know, if you if you want to have a great family and you want to have a great business and you want to be good at wakeboarding, let's say, or snow skiing or whatever, like there's not much room else left in there. You know, those three things just about me be a good parent. Like honestly, you, you don't have a lot of extra time after some of those big two, big three, big four things in your life. You know, what's your hobby? Okay, great. What's your business? Your family? Uh, you're pretty much tapped that's out. It. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you only have so many hours in a day. So the reality is, is you have to decide what you're going to be selfish about and you have to stick to it if you want to find these levels of success that people, you know, people say they want to be successful. They really don't. They, they don't want to become the person they know they have to become to find that level of success. Because it's that's, hard. That's what really scares the shit out of people. So I, I've heard that before, like... People, a lot of people are afraid of success. And I thought that's ludicrous. Like, who's afraid of success? They are not. Well, they actually are. And if you dig deeper into it, it's because 
they sort of know subconsciously or maybe consciously like, hey, these are the three things that I need to start saying no to in my life if I want to get to that next level. And they're not willing to do that. Right. It's a you matter know, of choice. So for me, that, that was a huge learning curve. I think always will be is, is being able to say no and have no be a complete sentence. <laughs> And not feel like you have to justify it or explain it. Yeah. Because you just don't have time to do that as yeah. much as you might like to with everyone, at, you know, for all decisions. Yeah. And I think that comes, the, the ability to say no just comes with the higher level of success that you get. I think it's, because I, th- I don't think we say no in the beginning because we, you almost can't. You know, because we need, again, we're in sales. We got to sell a product. So you're just going to, you're going to say yes to anything that's going to put a few bucks in your pocket. And you kind of have to with their survival there. But I think if, I think you have to earn the right to say no. Yeah. So another thing that that nobody ever told me that's been a hard learning lesson for me that I think I'll always struggle with is you have to self promote. Period. Yeah. On some level, if you want to find success in any industry, in any endeavor, athletics, business, I don't care what it is. If you want to be the pastor of a big church, like you have to have the ability at key times and key places with key people at some, you, you have to self promote. Yeah. You have to, you cannot just sit there and wait for somebody to come find you and pull you out of your closet and say, and push, you know, sort of drag you into the spotlight and say like, okay, <laughs> like here's all these opportunities you've always been waiting for. No, that is not the way that it works. And I've learned this lesson the hardest of hard ways. I learned it in my career in athletics with football. I did not do any self-promotion. You know, I evaded certain interviews. I shunned the media. I I went the other way. And and it was like this mentality, part of it comes from upbringing, but part of it just comes from maybe how I was wired. I don't know. It was like, let my play speak for itself. Well, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's not good enough. And maybe there was a time in our, in our world where it was, but it's not anymore. Nope. And I watched other people get opportunities that I didn't get. And I was a better, my, my play on the field spoke a lot harder and higher than theirs did, but they self-promoted and took opportunities and I didn't. Yeah, that's interesting. And that was a hard lesson that I learned and I, I'm determined in this era and, and chapter in my life to not make that same mistake again. So how do you learn to self-promote if you're uncomfortable doing it? Um, if you're not, if you've never done it, even though you know it's important, uh, some people just don't do it because they don't want to come across braggy or look at me, you know. But I think there is a way to do it properly. What's your, what's your thought on that? Well, what's a bigger fear of uh, coming across as too salesy or failure? You know, it's. here's the thing about it that i've and i've just recently kind of had this light bulb flip on in my head like in the last six to 12 months is that if you self-promote and then there's you know there's a i can't think of the right word not professional but there's tactful and tasteful ways to do this and there's ways to do it where you are indeed providing value to other people and you're doing it in a way that is helping people and that's the right way to do it. Right. Uh, and then there's just, you know, look at me, how great I am, negative, toxic, ego-driven. And ego is a big part of it. It's like, is this being driven by my desire to, to share my gifts with the world, my desire to impact, my desire to lead? Or is this just me stroking my ego, this is how great I am? Right. You know, and those are, are very different paths. But something I've realized is that if you do it, if you're out there, if you put yourself out there and say, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, like this, you know, this is how I want to be seen by the world. 
there's going to be people that think, oh, look at Matt, you know, his podcast, like telling everybody how great he is. (laughs) Whatever, whatever it is, like there's going to be people that point the finger at you and say that you're just self-aggrandizing and you're self-promoting. Okay, well, what if you don't do it? So it's sort of like the negative of doing it is some people are going to view you as being egotistical and arrogant. Fine. Okay, granted. Well, if you don't do it, you're a non-factor. Right. If you don't do it, nobody knows who you are. If you don't do it, you're disregarded almost by default because people literally don't know who you are and don't know who you're about. So if you do it, they might you know look at you that way. If you don't do it, you're a non-factor. But here's the here's the catch, and here's the linchpin of this whole thing: is people who are seen as successful and busy are the ones who get more opportunity. That's true. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, man. The people who are seen as being busy, successful, with it, on it, they're the ones that get the phone call and they get more opportunities. Just like in my life, they were the ones that got the phone call from the scouts to get into camps to go to the NFL, and I didn't. Yeah. Right? So for me, I'm just at a point where it's like, hey, I'll take some people who think I'm egotistical or I'm arrogant. I'll take it all day long if it means that I don't do what I did last time, which is stay in the closet and fail. Right. My way to process through people who are throwing stones is I really just put it back on them. It's it's really easy for me at this point. If someone's going to take a shot, you know, at someone who's successful, I generally just say, you know what? That's their problem. And I'd leave it there. I'm like, that's yeah. their problem. But you know, um, who was it? Gosh, was it Brene? Do you know Brene Brown yeah, stuff? Absolutely. She's What's awesome. her? Uh, she did her whole. She did a book and a talk on. Was it Roosevelt's talk on the man in the arena? Yeah. Right. So that was really kind of poignant when I heard her say that. I'd never heard that story before, but I was like, exactly. Like, if you're not going to be in the arena with me, like, why are you throwing stuff at me? So I always thought that was that was just a really nice way to compartmentalize that. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like people that dodge taxes their entire life and never vote but then complain about policy (laughs) you don't have any skin in the game so like nobody cares what you think well let's talk about competition a little bit what are your thoughts on on competition you said something interesting to me recently where you're like you i really think that that we need a villain to be competitive and i never heard it put that way so can you speak to that a little bit well I, i truly believe that you have to have competitors to to reach your full potential. You know, all of us, can you be successful? I mean, yeah, certainly. Can you reach certain levels of excellence? I, I think maybe um, to be truly excellent, to strive towards perfection, I think to to maximize your potential as a human, which is something I'm very passionate about, you've got to have something to push against. You've got to have the, the antimatter, right? You've got to, <laughs> Batman needed to have Bane and all these villains to fight against or there's no story. Right. Um, Apple needed IBM right? Yeah. Nike needed Adidas. Like you've, you've got it. There's something about having something to push against that brings out the best in you and can bring out the worst in you. Right. So you gotta yep. be careful with that. Right. People that are highly competitive also tend to have I egos. And right. you know, I'm pointing the finger at myself when I say that, like I'm competent as what I said earlier with like our number one skill and, and strength is often has this shadow side. So on the strengths finder test, I don't know if you've ever taken that. It's a very interesting test, but you know, competition is number one for me, and it's not close. <laughs> and I feel that to the depths of my soul. Yeah. And, you know, it's. I was having a conversation with one of the football coaches in college. We had lunch about a month or two ago, and and that was something he he commented on. He still remembers that 15, 10, 15 years ago. He's like, yeah, your your level of you're a competitor. Like your level of competition was incredible. So do you think that's DNA? 
Do you think that's learned? Like competition is an interesting thing. I think great salespeople are competitive. Almost everyone that I've ever known wants to be on the top of whatever list they're trying to get on top of. Um, so can you learn to be competitive? I believe so. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe so. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think you can learn it just like you can learn to speak in front of people and you can learn to strategize and you can learn to, hey, be better at marketing and creative. I mean, you know, there's certainly a, an amount of uh, wiring and an amount of uh, nature and DNA that's going to decide how excellent you might be able to become at a specific skill. But so much of this stuff is, is learned and learnable. And, and this is certainly one thing. You can learn how to be a more uh, efficient, robust uh, competitor. Yeah, especially in this day and age when we're in the age of information. Like you can get any piece of information that you want at your fingertips, you know, yeah. podcasts, YouTube, yeah. Google, you can, you can Google any question you want and, and be thrust down a rabbit hole to get the information you need to be successful. But are you willing to do that? You know? Yeah. So absolutely. the last thing I wanted to ask you is I came across a post of yours recently and uh, I think you were, you had a moment or, or you had a thought and you're like, I'm going to put this out there. And you were like, you know, when I started and we had, you know, realtors come and work for me and then they'd leave and on their way out the door, they had some not so nice things to say about me. They're like, you have no idea what you're doing and you're an idiot and you know, you're going to fail and this and that. And you said, you know, more recently you've had people that have left and then the script has been flipped and they're like, you know what? It's me. I'm the one that has the problem. <laughs> so to talk to me about the difference between, you know, you know, that Nick or, or that version of Amherst Madison to, to where you are today, where people are leaving, you know, and not blaming you and they're leaving now and they're blaming themselves. That's a big gap to close. So like, what do you attribute that to? Bef- one really quickly before I answer that directly, here's one of the things I want to say is I was driving back from a lunch meeting when I had this thought, I have these kinds of thoughts all the time, yeah. all the time. And historically I've, muzzled myself and not voiced them because I was afraid of what other people are going to think. Yeah. You know, maybe it was going to somebody that was, somebody was going to hear it and their feelings were going to be hurt or it was going to frustrate them or, you know, there's, there's so many times where I've, I've had things that I felt like were valuable to share with other entrepreneurs. I mean, you just brought it up, right? So obviously it struck a chord with you. Yeah. Um, and if I would have never shared it, then it would have never struck that chord. You would have never brought it up. And the other couple, maybe there was the 10 other people it struck a chord with. I don't know. Maybe right. it was one other person. Yeah. But the reality is, is, is this gets back to this idea of being open to sharing and self-promotion, if you want to call it that. I, I look at that as helping other people who might be on the same journey. Yeah. Um, and this is why it's so important. So, the, the, yeah, the answer is, um, I don't know, Matt. I mean, part of it is just perception, right? So it's when you're making a decision to break up with somebody it's a lot easier to do if they're not like a multimillionaire or a billionaire or a celebrity or something right, right? <laughs> if somebody is like highly successful or attractive or they've got it going on and you're breaking up with them it looks pretty silly for you to try to put that on them and say that it's their fault yeah. or you know whatever it's it's the same concept right it's like it's easy to throw stones and kick people while they're down. It really is. Like, it's easy. Um, the reality is, is when they were leaving, when we were small, uh, was it all our fault? No. Uh, leaving now, even though they say, even though they might say it's not you, it's me, 
it's not that simple. Oh, there so, might be a difference. Some, sometimes it is us. Sure. Sometimes it's because the company or me personally, I screwed something up. There's been instances in the last couple of years where somebody's left because of a situation that I mismanaged and I screwed up. I made a mistake. And you apologize for those things the best you can. You own them the best you can in circumstances. But sometimes that doesn't fix the relationship. And sometimes people still have to move on. Right. You know, so the interesting thing is like a lot of it is just perception. It's and it's and it's it's a kind of a sick part of human nature that as a business, when you're smaller and you're just trying to get going, it's easy for people to insult you and talk crap about you and say you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. It's just an easier out for them because it's then, a defense mechanism, yeah, I think. And they don't have to think about their own, you know, culpability in the situation. Right. You can't say that when you're dealing with a company that is obviously successful. It's not so easy to just point at it and say, well, you don't know what the hell you're doing. So I think that's, honestly, I think that's the biggest part of it. It's just that, it's just easy. It's easier, if you're by yourself, you just got started, you have two clients, it's easier for me to say, oh, well, you know, Matt just doesn't know what he's doing. You know, but now you come into the office and you got some people working in here with you and you're obviously a successful business. Well, now it's a little bit harder for me to point the finger at you and say, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Well, buddy, I'm out of questions. Do you have anything else that you have on your chest that you need to get off or that you can that you can share that would be beneficial or valuable? One of the things we talked about recently, I don't remember when, um, but it was a, a question of, of what should it take to be successful or, you know, what price should you pay or, you know, and, and my response to that, what I wanted to, to depart with was to say that it, it takes what it takes period end of story uh is this way harder than i thought it was going to be yeah is that going to stop me no is there a level there where you is there something i was i did have a question in here i was curious i'm trying to think of how i worded it but like what would it what would have to happen for you to reach a breaking point and for you to be like this isn't worth it anymore because i you're total you're you're incredibly driven you're smart you're well read you you've you've fought the battles you're successful but like is there is there a breaking point for you where you'd be like i just, I just don't want to do this anymore no <laughs> <Death. Great. laughs> um you know choosing to make a a different decision about the path of your life or saying, Hey, you know, I've accomplished things I accomplished here. I want to go do something else. I mean, that's different, right? That's, yeah. that's not what you're asking. You're asking, when is it just going to be so hard that yeah. you're going to quit? And the answer to that is when I'm dead, I'm, I'm not quitting. I'm not a quitter. I don't have that in me. I, that's not what this is about. And also, and I say that also in the back of my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, it's not that hard. You know, like the things that we're doing here in business is, you know, I'm not, you know, I used to be a firefighter. I used to run into burning buildings. Like I, this is not that, yeah. you know, for all the, the police officers out there doing their job every day, potentially, and sometimes actually getting shot at, putting their life on the line. Like this is not that people that are in the armed forces that are doing that stuff every day, shooting people, getting shot at, putting their life self in dangerous situations. Even training is, is da- like, this is not that. So this, this whole concept of like, when is it too hard? It's really never too hard. No, I like that. I appreciate it. I mean, there are people that have to walk five miles to get clean water. Right. I mean, yeah. it's just from a perspective standpoint, I think it's, I think it's great that you're like, look, look at what we're doing here. One, of, one of the things, Matt, that makes people quit is they think they should. It's this really trippy thing in our psychology. And that's why I say you need to forget about what you think it's going to take 
and just understand that you don't know what it's going to take. It's going to take what it's going to take. And you're going to have to continue to fight and battle and learn and make sacrifices and, hey, do things you're not, uncom- you're not comfortable doing. And sometimes that's like getting through the struggle and, you know, surviving in a crisis. And sometimes it's saying it's getting on your, your cell phone, you know, after you get back from your lunch appointment and saying, hey, you know, when I first started, people were happy to leave the brokerage and point the finger at me. And now they're not doing that. Like sometimes it's doing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but but we sit back and we have a tendency to say, is it supposed to be this hard? You know, I don't think so. Like, no, I, the book didn't say that it was going to be this hard. And here's the, here's the tricky part. So that must mean I'm doing it wrong. Right. So I should quit. Or, and this is another, this is another one, and I've made this mistake. Um, the universe is telling me that, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. Well, the universe doesn't give a shit whether you do it or not. You know, this isn't some, you know, mystical, magical, you're being tested. Right. Maybe the universe is saying, is poking you and saying, hey, you, you said you want to do this. We're about to find out yeah. how bad you want to do it. It's going to take what it's going to take. Maybe you're just being tested. Maybe, you know, the, the universe or the, the grand Pabu out there is not telling you, like, you, you should quit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you should just gut it out and get to the next level. Yeah. Well, I think, one, you found something that you really enjoy and that you're good at and that you're passionate about. Like, you'll, you'll run its course. And I think you have found that. And I know I have. I love what I do. And um, I, I'm lucky to have found something that I enjoy and that I'm good at. And like, and I don't worry about it anymore. We've kind of hit a, hit a position in my agency where it's just become fun, you know, and I'm, I'm really lucky, but, um, yeah, if you can align the right things, you say it all the time, you know, people say it all the time. Like if you enjoy what you do, you won't have to work a day in your life. I think there's, there's real truth to that because I, I'm almost there, you know, and I love coming in the office and, and fighting the battles and solving the problems and cultivating my team and selling like I love all of it you know I'm really lucky um, so if you can if you can get all those things lined up you know you're winning for sure yeah man yeah all right buddy well hey I value everything that you bring I appreciate you spending an hour with me today I just I love the way you do your business I love the way that you train your people I can tell that you care about everything that you're doing I think your clients feel that your realtors feel that like you're, you're, you're making, you're doing so many things right. And so I appreciate you sharing what you've learned. You're humble. You take ownership for everything that you do. There's no blame. You work on yourself. Like you're, you're doing so many things, right? I appreciate you coming in and sharing all that with me today. Thanks, Matt. Same back to you. Thanks for having me, man. All right, buddy. Good. Thanks, man. All right. All right. There you go. Nick, thanks again for coming on. Just bringing so much value and great content for uh, people to learn from you. So keep up the good work out there, man. Hey, my name's Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I've got my blog at Deets Agency. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Deets Agency. And that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work. Stereo.